Welcome to the Love and Life After Divorce podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. On this podcast, you will feel empowered to release the feelings of shame, trauma, isolation, and sense of loss that can often come from a difficult marriage, painful breakup, and divorce. You will be given the insights and inspiration you need to love yourself fiercely, be sure of your worthiness, and to handle the challenges of post-divorce life with strength and humor. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Love and Life After Divorce podcast. I am absolutely thrilled for you all to meet my guest today. My guest today is Christy Katzman, and she has an amazing life story that I think you guys will really resonate with. I can't wait to dive into it. Christy has been on an amazing journey of reclamation. She recently stepped away from her corporate sales job where she was very successful but was feeling unfulfilled. She's also had a past where she got to be a reality TV star a couple of times. Yeah, we'll get, maybe get a few juicy details about that. She was on The Bachelor and a show called The Labor of Love. She's been in holistic health her whole life, and now she is on a fantastic journey of reclaiming who she is. She has a podcast called She's Unscripted, which is fantastic, you guys. You must listen. And she's just starting a new journey that is so exciting. So I wanted to have Christy on today so that we could talk about this journey and rewriting your own life your way. Christy, welcome. That was quite the introduction, Tiffany. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. My pleasure. (laughs) I'm so thrilled to have you. Um, oh, thank you. We we listeners, Christy and I are um, connected through a mutual friend and have had a really exciting time uh, getting to know each other and working with each other. And Christy's one of those people where I will give talk about some of my crazy ideas I have, and Christy's like, "Yes, and what if we do this?" And so I just love being around somebody that takes my crazy ideas and runs with them. So. <laughs> Oh, that's called kindred spirits. And you know what? You could probably appreciate this too, Tiffany. I feel like the further I get in life, the more I appreciate connecting with people like that Mm. because I do think it gets harder to find those people just because everyone gets so busy. Mm. And then, gosh, I think after this last year and a half, a lot of us are just really beaten down and me too. But that makes me want to find that spark with other people more and run with it. So equally grateful for you. So, so glad we connected. I love that. Okay. Little background on you, because I do think your background is absolutely fascinating. And this is love and life after divorce. And you do have an after divorce story. Um, I do. So I would love to get kind of the, the nutshell, the, the juicy meat of a little bit of what brought you to where you are today of rewriting your life and rec- reclaiming your life? I know it's so crazy too. And, and the more we live, and so all of you listening, I'm 43. I actually turned 44 in like a month, which is crazy. <laughs> I actually cannot believe that. Um, but your 40s are great. So those of you they that are. aren't there yet, don't you worry. It just keeps getting better. I'm saying that just because it's crazy. I think the further we get in life, it, it gets harder to summarize our life. And I think that's mm-hmm. ultimately a good thing, mm-hmm. right? But what I can tell you is, here's what I would say, and, and I know you mentioned my podcast, She's Unscripted. I think I've just gotten to the point now where I'm really starting to live off script. Mm-hmm. That wanting to be different just because 
I'm very authentic. And I think as much as I am traditional in a lot of ways, I'm really different than the way society is in a lot of ways too. So I knew that I think at a very young age, but I didn't quote unquote honor it. I thought I'll do everything the quote unquote right way and right being what society says we should do to be a good girl and be successful. And then I'll kind of do what I want later. And maybe that is what's happening. You know, I don't know. So I think that thread was always there for me, but the sort of drive and appeal to be the good girl and be quote unquote Mm -hmm. successful was stronger. So I followed that path. But you can look at my life, I think, going very far back and sort of see the juxtaposition of traditional and doing something different. And a good example of that, I think, is just for undergrad, for college, I went to the University of Notre Dame. I'm actually not Catholic. I'm not religious, but I wanted to go to a good school that was still in the Midwest. I live in Chicago. But post-grad, I went to school to study acupuncture and Chinese medicine. This was 20 plus years ago when no one in the Midwest was doing that. And I remember one of my main professors that I needed to write a recommendation said to me, well, gosh, I've never written one of these. I I wrote a recommendation once for someone to go to mortician school, <laughs> but I've never done this. Like that's how, that's how he was comparing it and both are fine. But it was so, I was like, oh, okay, that's what we're doing now. But I think that little like vignette of a story is so indicative of how I've lived my life. I mm-hmm. think kind of one toe in tradition and one toe in a, yeah, but I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe to kind of answer your question, I think the way my story went is I did all the right things kind of growing up. I always was a really good student. I always studied really hard. I think my focus in life always was on what are you going to be? And for me, that was defined by career. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I did I did all those things. And I went to grad school. And, you know, that piece kind of came into play because I thought, well, I, I'd really love to help people. I want to practice medicine. Going to traditional medical school didn't really appeal to me that way of practicing. And so I started looking into holistic health modalities. And in Illinois, acupuncture was one of the few licenses that you could could get. And so I kind of went that route. Um, fast forward a little bit, you know, and we can go into any of this that you want, Tiffany. I don't even know if you know this, but I went through a lot of health struggles while I was in grad school. I had a total health collapse that honestly, mm-hmm. I still deal with a lot of sort of esoteric health issues now that I've figured out more layers to the more work that I've done. But I knew pretty quickly coming out of school that I wasn't going to practice forever. I love holistic health. I still get acupuncture, but being a practitioner wasn't great for me. In that sort of time, I fell into sales in my industry, and that's where my career really took off. And that's where I really felt like, so I was in my early 30s at that point, okay, I finally made it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then this gets into the part where I think the themes of what we're doing overlap is... I did get married in that time. You know, I think I had been living that really work hard, party hard, which sounds weird when we're talking about natural products and holistic health, (laughs) but I worked for incredible companies. But that was the dynamic. It was intense sales where, sure, I was finally making good money. I finally felt successful. I I was sort of working extra hard. I was 100% commission. And so I was working extra hard because I was trying to make up for that time in my 20s that I felt I had lost being sick. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I was still sort of balancing those sensitivities with my health and then working. I'm not even joking when I say 90 hours a week. I just felt like all mm. I did was work. I sort of hit my mid-30s and I had been dating a lot in there. But in retrospect, don't think I really had a clue what I wanted 
or was giving any of those dates a real opportunity to be something more. And lo and behold, when I was like 35, just about turn to turn 36, I met who I thought was the quintessential nice guy, right? And everyone thought this. It was like, okay, this guy was kind of nerdy, nerdy, cute. He was a upper elementary school teacher in a really good school district. And everyone said like, "Uh, aha, this is why Mm -hmm. it didn't work out before. You were dating the city guys, the business guys. You weren't dating the right guys. This is a nice guy. Mm. Well, you know, he turned out not to be a nice guy and – That relationship unraveled very quickly. Um, You know, really, there was a personality disorder there. And, you know, we can talk about that or not talk about it, but people can look into that. There's definitely sets of traits that go along with that that I had no clue about until I went through it. But I mention it because I feel like he really isolated me Mm -hmm. and pushed the relationship forward very quickly. Well, I was 36 and at a point where the biological clock was ticking, I felt I had checked all those boxes except for finding the husband and starting a family, which is something that I really wanted at that point. I thought I had set myself up really well to have great experiences in life, to have a successful career. This was the final piece of the puzzle. And lo and behold, I got it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then very quickly after we were married, and we were married about a year and a half after we met, I took a job where I wasn't traveling all the time. So I was traveling all the time with the job that I was in. And I was the breadwinner in my relationship, by the way. So I bought our house. I was paying for the renovations, you know, this beautiful four bedroom home in this like lovely town outside of Chicago where I had this whole vision of this is where I'm going to have my kids. This is it, right? This is, I've sacrificed and worked hard and pushed through all my obstacles to get here. When I took that other job, which meant I wasn't traveling and it was in sales still in my industry, but I was working the Chicago territory versus working half the country and being gone and more of a manager. The relationship changed immediately, and I can remember so clearly just weeks after my wedding being in full-blown panic mode, but also in denial about it, and just thinking, what have I done? Mm. Like, I have no idea who this person is that I've married, and there are a lot of terrible things that happened in that six months from the marriage to when I filed for divorce, but I can tell you what the breaking point was which was I was away at a training basically for this new job that was going to allow me to be the kind of mother I wanted to be, but also was still allowing me to be the breadwinner for the family. Um, And things have been terrible. Things have been really weird and really terrible. And there've been a lot of stuff going on and something really strange had happened before I left. And so I left feeling really uneasy. And this is really, this is really crazy for me to talk about Tiffany, honestly, because I really haven't even talked about this at all. So it's it's so crazy, but I'm going to go there because I think it makes sense. It's so weird for me to look back now knowing what I do because I had this weird foreshadowing and I called a lawyer. I called a random lawyer and I said, I'm really afraid of what my husband's going to do when I'm gone. I had put him on the mortgage. I'd put him on all my bank accounts. Uh. And I remember he said, well, if you're worried, and again, I'm thinking, this is so crazy. What what do I think is going to happen? You know, it was so beyond my imagination what could happen. But I remember the lawyer saying, video everything in the house. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. This is terrible. I'm going to go. I'm going to come back. I'm going to figure out what to do. Well, he wouldn't talk to me um, the whole time I was gone, and I felt like something was going on. Um, and lo and behold, what had happened is the day I was flying back from this training, I called my mom and I said, can you drive by my house and see what's going on? Mm. 
I'm at the airport in Florida getting ready to fly back to Chicago and I see my mom's calling me. I pick up the phone and she says, you're getting a divorce. (gasps) Tiffany, it's going to make me cry to just say it now because this is my mother saying this and I'm thinking, what is she seeing that this is what she's saying? You know, she knew things weren't great, but she maybe didn't know all the things that were going on. Um, I'm sobbing. I'm on this plane not knowing what, what's going on. But she had had some sort of confrontation with him at the front door and he wouldn't let her in and all the blinds were were drawn. And what had happened when I finally got home, it was super late at night. I opened the front door. The house was empty. The house was empty. He had hired movers. I'm talking ripped the TV off the wall, took all the furniture. Um, I literally, Tiffany, I dropped to my knees in the foyer and I just sobbed. I just sobbed. I couldn't even comprehend what had happened. Oh my God. He wouldn't pick up the phone. He had taken all the money out of my bank account. Oh, it was insane. And I I remember I was terrified to be honest with you, besides just being upset, I was terrified because I thought, who is this person that I married mm-hmm. that could do this? It was beyond my comprehension. Yes. I'm going to pause there because I think that's a lot, but I think that was really going into what I call my before and after. And this was the end of 2015 to just give everyone a point of reference. It was the point where I realized doing everything right and being quote unquote, the good girl didn't guarantee you anything Mm, in life. And Oh, that like, like it makes me want to cry, Tiffany, just mm. saying it, it does. Like, and I do see it as a blessing now in so many ways, but I remember feeling like my entire world it shattered in an instant because I didn't trust myself anymore. I didn't yeah. know what I knew anymore. I didn't know what was happening happening. It's taken me some time after that to figure out what had happened, to figure out some things about his past. I literally just felt like my world had shattered, which it had, mm-hmm. and I was completely numb. I had no idea how I was going to pick myself up and even begin to have a life for myself going forward. I can't imagine yeah. the – the. I'm trying to find the exact right word for it. It's, it's a violation of your Total trust. Violation a violation of your love, a violation of your vulnerability, such a violation to, and I, I probably the empty home was, I mean, it's upsetting when your things are taken, obviously, but mm-hmm. that was probably more of the symbol of this person has no problem hurting me. This person it, who I love and trust and promise forever to is is willing to empty out our lives like this, is willing to hurt me like this. That must have been devastating. Yes. And I know I mentioned, I don't know why this sticks in my mind, but it was like the wires hanging off the wall for removing mm. the TVs, you know, and keep in mind, he had cleared out the bank account and left me with the mortgage and the utilities. And he, it, it was insane. But yeah, and in and, and those of you, you can look this up with love bombing and people in particular that have narcissistic personality disorder. I had no idea what any of that was before him. And quite honestly, he was the nice nerdy guy. Mm-hmm. Even I remember I had been so depressed during our marriage. I'd been seeing a therapist 
but I had been so depressed that she told me I needed to see a psychiatrist. Mm. This is an irony of which I am sure it is not. It took me so long to get in the psychiatrist. It was like six months. The day I had my appointment with him was the day I served my ex-husband's papers. It is crazy. And I remember him. He is the one that put this on my radar. He said, you know, Christy, I know it doesn't make sense now and you don't feel this now, but you're going to realize this has nothing to do with you. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what? What do you mean? What do you mean? You know, I'm like super uh, scholarly and I wanted answers and I like to read things. And he was like, I think there's an element of a personality disorder here. And I was like, a what, a what kind, what kind of personality disorder? And he is the one that put, you know, elements of narcissistic personality disorder. And I thought, no, no, not the nerdy guy. I mean, this guy is like the nice guy, but that's what someone who has a personality disorder does. They, they get information from you without you knowing it. And they serve that back to you. They present Mm -hmm. that to you. And they tell you, see, we're soulmates. See, I'm such a great match for you. And it was so beyond my comprehension because I'm such an authentic person. I'm very much of what you see is what you get, that someone could contrive something like that. It literally wasn't Mm -hmm. on my radar. So to your point, when I'm coming back and trying to process this, like, yes, I knew things weren't good between us, but my house is empty. My electricity is turned off. My money is gone. My money. I put mm-hmm. him on ba- my bank accounts, but I had no recourse for that because I put him on my bank accounts and we were married. Um, It was like exactly that. Just how did this happen? And I think it was so difficult for me to even acknowledge this guy never actually loved me. Like he's mm. a sick person. But I remember to your point, I could not acknowledge that in in that moment. And then you're sitting there thinking like, well, this doesn't make – it's so illogical because it is illogical. But as a logical person, you're trying to find some way to process this. It is wild. I mean, that has been six years ago for me now. And it's something that I'm just – I mean, I went through therapy and did, did all of that. But it's something I'm just starting to talk about with other people now because I didn't know how to process it myself. And then talking about it made it really real Mm -hmm. for me. Yes. And I think I was in survival mode for quite a while, just trying to get through that and figure out, well, now what? Like, how am I going to create a life for myself after this? Because this was supposed to be it. And it obviously wasn't, but this guy also took everything from me. Mm -hmm. I found myself at 37, literally starting over after everything I had sacrificed to build this next nest egg so that I could have the life that I wanted. I mean, it literally was the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. The biggest fear I had that I would lose everything and someone would have taken that for me. And yes. I was living it. Oh, Christy. Okay. Ugh. So I'm going to tell you right now that I wish your story was a singular story and something that everybody, all of our listeners would be utterly shocked at. But oh my goodness, the sad thing is sometimes on different levels, I think yours is probably quite extreme, Mm -hmm. but on different levels, this violation of trust and of your being and of who you are happens so often and I wonder, I, I think about it because it happened to me. So mine was over 19 years. Part of me wishes it had been 
<laughs> that <laughs> six months in, but mine was 19 years. Um, and over that amount of time, I know that my trust in myself completely disappeared. And I can imagine with your story being so extreme and so quick, you know, mine took 19 years for me to realize, wow, this person is is not healthy and we're not good together and, and this is a, a bad situation. For you, it was that intense six months. It must just be this, um, who am I inside? Like, how do I ever trust myself again? I made this choice. I made 100%. this choice. How do I ever trust myself again? I know I asked myself that so many times. I still ask, and I'm seven years out and in a healthy relationship now, but I know I am consistently asking, wait a minute, can I trust this? Is Am, am I reading the situation correctly? Um, can I trust this? Yeah. Well, and that's the insidious part about these relationships. I think this does happen to women in particular who are are very kind, who are very thoughtful, insightful. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I know I had a history of, I think, certainly believing that I needed to put other people first and they mattered more. You know, that wasn't totally cognizant, but I can see how it kind of led me into this. So when he was telling me that I was quote unquote crazy or no, no, that mm -hmm. didn't happen, at some point you question it. So I, I do agree with you that unfortunately, I think this does happen a lot mm -hmm. and it happens to really good people who then, I mean, I can even remember when I was going through the divorce at moments feeling bad for him. And then I catch yeah. myself and being like, how am I feeling bad for this creep? But he was making me feel that way. He was mm -hmm. manipulating me. Yep. And I felt bad about myself. That mm -hmm. was the bottom line. And they prey on that. Mm -hmm. And it was incredibly painful. But I, you know, it's interesting because I think I can remember it being so sudden and I felt so ashamed. I, I had been so overwhelmed dealing with what was going on in this marriage. And keep in mind, this really unraveled quickly because I had switched from being gone all the time to right after we got married, having a job where I was really home. And then the, the true person started to come out. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my God, I married a stranger. And at the time, of course, I was so horrified that it was over so quickly. I was in the process of filing for divorce and frantically writing thank you notes from my wedding. Oh, Christy. <laughs> yes, because I thought, oh my God, will I have to get the thank you notes out before oh, no. people find out I'm divorced? And I think, gosh, there, that is just a sign right there of what a terrible state that I was in. But that is just the kind of terror, panic, and complete disassociation from myself and everything I thought I knew that I was in. I was full-fledged in survival mode and having no clue what end was up and what end was down. And so I think a little bit, it doesn't matter sometimes if it's long or short. It's these moments mm -hmm. where your world is just completely rocked. And then the question becomes, what do you do? Yes. But damage has been done. Yes. And it isn't like you just get to say, okay, I'm okay now. No, like you've you've been devastated. Like you said, everything that you thought you knew or that you used as your compass in life literally gets wadded up and just thrown out the window. And suddenly you're like, okay, now what? Now mm -hmm. I have to refigure this out. And I do agree with you. I think it's the most damaging thing that comes from this kind of betrayal, whatever version of that someone might have where they've been really betrayed by someone is no longer trusting yourself. Yeah, yep. And so you're walking forward in life in a just really difficult time with these like Bambi legs 
Mm-hmm. Of, <laughs> I love that Bambi but legs. It, Bambi legs, right? It's like, but, yes. it, but it's not okay. And, and you're so fragile that you're like, I can't handle another blow like this. But you can't stay stuck in it either. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a difficult place to it be is. in. And my heart goes out to anyone going through something like that. You said something that really resonated with me. Um, you didn't use this term necessarily, but you used the definition of this. And it's this, this good girl mm-hmm. cape that we wear, yeah. right? Like we are raised to believe that we need to be the good girls, the nice girls, make people happy. Even the man that hurts us to our core, we're worried about hurting him. And yep. I know when I was going through my divorce over and over again, I was also, oh, I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to upset him. Oh, this is going to kill him. Oh, this is going to devastate him. Thinking, and then going back and thinking, wait, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> stop. You have to take care of yourself. But we are so trained, so ingrained to be that good girl and we follow the script. And I love your theme of being unscripted. So, how did you rewrite that good girl script? I mean, I hate to say it, but as much as I would never want to go through that again, it is the real impetus for me tearing up the script. Now, it hasn't been as quick as I would have liked. I mean, we're talking about this and this has been six years ago. Um, You know, something I really should share with your listeners and I talk about this in my podcast as well. But my real impetus was six months after I filed for divorce, I ended up being in the terrorist attack in Nice, France, Mm. which is just literally insane. But I will tell you, Tiffany, it is what saved my life, which sounds like a crazy thing to say, because I honestly don't think I would have recovered. My script would have been blown up, but I wouldn't be rewriting it. Yeah. But because I found myself there, I can remember so wild. I was obviously still such a shell of a human being, but I had always loved travel so much. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take myself on this trip to Europe. It was going through France and Italy, you know, places that I love. And I thought this is going to be my moment of reclaiming myself. And this is so crazy because I was so terrified of everything, including men. And I remember I had like met this French guy and he kept that day and he kept convincing me like, oh, meet me on the promenade. I'll bring a picnic. Like we'll watch the fireworks. And this was Bastille Day. This is the night that the mm-hmm. terrorist attack happened. And I was like, no, no, no. And I remember talk about foreshadowing. I know we're talking about being raised to be the good girls, which I agree with you. So many women are conditioned. And I really hope that's a dynamic that we're changing as we raise our girls. Um, but the other thing is like women's intuition and how mm-hmm. often we ignore it. Mm-hmm. I remember being in my hotel room because I had told him I'm not going to meet you. And then I was like, well, what the heck? I'll meet him. But I remember having this flash of, should I be going to the beach on Bastille Day in France? I mean, mm-hmm. this is the world we live in now. And then I thought, oh, Christy, you know, live a little. This isn't Paris. This is Nice. Mm-hmm. And I remember actually being on the beach and there was this amazing fireworks show and I was with this like, you know, sexy French guy and he had made this like really cute picnic and we're on the beach. And I I remember looking at the fireworks and the show was wrapping up and just I had this thought of this is going to be one of my favorite moments on this trip, Mm -hmm. if not like a lifetime. And then that's like when I heard the gunshots and like all mayhem broke loose. But I remember in that moment immediately just going oh, hell no. You know, I was like, as scared as I was, I was like, I did not just go through this horrendous marriage and divorce 
to die here. Mm-hmm. And I literally, this I'm telling you, Tiffany, this is where like in these moments, like you learn what you are made of because yes. I can tell you, I saw people reacting in every way you could possibly imagine. And I always thought I was a fighter, but remember I had, was kind of a shell of a human being at that point. But I remember I did not think I was going to make it out, but I literally said, and I probably said this out loud, if you want to get me, come get me. Mm. And I started running like as fast as I could away from city center. And in retrospect, I think, wow, that's that's like incredible because all this is happening very instinctually. But I remember I was so furious of what I had just lived through that I thought there is no way I'm going to die here today. This is not how my life is going to end. And as I'm running, which I'm laughing about now, which is obviously not funny, not at, funny all, at all, I remember saying, you know, if I make it out, I promise I'll do things differently. Mm. I was like, dead serious about that. That was my defining moment. That was my defining moment. It wasn't what happened in my divorce because that really would have killed me. I would have been the shell of the person. I hate to admit that now, but it's true. I did not know how I was going to recover from that. Being in that situation where I really thought I was going to die and in such a gruesome, just horrendously unfair, unthinkable, what are the chances this would happen to you way? I was like, no, that's not how it ends. But that became the before and after. That was my true before and after. And I think I have spent every day post that time, which this would have been summer of 2016, really asking myself that question, how do I want to write my script? And it's been a roller coaster. It has. And I think that's the thing I don't want to hide. And it's what I talk about on my show too. I would love it if I had these bookends where I said, okay, now here I am. And this is exactly what's going on. (laughs) And here's how I got there. It is still a work in progress. Yeah, But I can tell you that that is really the point when I started coming into my own. I started standing up for myself. I started saying no. I started asking myself what I wanted. I started taking bigger chances, more out there chances. I mean, I always prided myself on someone that was willing to go take a chance. But I did that in ways that I never had before. I stopped caring what other people thought Mm. so much. I realized I wanted to commit more time to my personal life and really developing that part of myself because it is what I was thinking about when I thought I wasn't going to make it out. And I thought, gosh, I spent all this time developing my career and why? For what? Like it meant nothing Mm -hmm. to me. It, It meant nothing to me in those moments where I thought those were my last moments. And I think that's what these last five years have been about for me is writing my script, reframing my journey, asking myself, what do I want? And what can be challenging about that is, like I said, I would love to be one of those women that had that story that has a book in and in one or two years, well, I'm off. It hasn't been that way for me, which is really, really tough for me because I want that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's probably part of my journey too. And I also want other women to know that that's, that's normal. Like we don't necessarily get to set the timeline for how that, when that script is finished, right? So it's the journey that I'm on and it's taken the shape that it has. And we can talk about anything that's happened in those last five years. But that was the moment where I said, Mm -hmm. I am going to start living life on my terms and I'm going to decide what's important to me and start prioritizing those things in my life. I'm going to do things differently. It was that moment. And I think that's the nature of a script versus unscripted. In a script, Mm -hmm. there's a beginning, middle, and end. That you're told when to be happy, when to be sad. You're told who's in the life, you know, in the script and who's not. Um, you know, the, the scripts are are pretty, and they most of them follow some sort of story arc and format, and and you kind of know what to expect. When you're unscripted, 
there is no beginning, middle, and end. There is no one telling you this is when you should be happy and this is when you should be sad. And there is no one telling you who is in your story, who should be, who shouldn't be. And so while that is utterly terrifying, it's also completely exhilarating and exciting because, yeah, so much is unknown and you get to figure it out. There are no bookends to that. I mean, the ultimate bookend is is probably when you go meet your maker and and who knows where that script goes. <laughs> it is. It's so true. But girl, I like a script. As so many <laughs> these type A women that we know, I yep. like a script. I know exactly that's why this is happening because I think it's one of my mm-hmm. big lessons. And so I've had to really learn to let go of control. And I'm, I'm in that experience now. And there's days where that is just so, so hard. Yes. I have to tell you, Tiffany, it's ironic of which I'm sure it's not because I do think the universe has the, a way of serving these things up to us. As I was just taking a walk yesterday, I think it was, I was listening to the most recent episode of uh, Oprah Super Soul podcast, mm. and she was talking about The Alchemist on it, which is one of my favorite books. Do you like that book? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I knew you and I like a lot of the same books. <laughs> we like a lot of like the same books. <laughs> but what you just said is so how they were basically talking about this. And it was really like there's there's fate and there's destiny and what's the difference? And fate is basically meeting your maker. Like we all know our fate is going to be at some point we're going to die. But destiny is your purpose basically and what happens along the way. Mm-hmm. So you choose what happens along the way. Mm-hmm. And the people that are willing to continue to follow that journey fulfill their life's purpose. Mm-hmm. We're all going to have the same fate, but we're not all going to follow our journey. And that's the mm-hmm. challenge. And he really talks about how the biggest illusion is that we've lost control of the journey. Like we we can't control what happens in life, but we, we do have more control over the journey than we think. Yeah. And it doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes or bad things are going to happen, but we have to be willing to be open to learning things and being redirected by those things and seeing the signs in life. And the whole point of that is sort of the journey is the point. But if you keep going, if you keep paying attention to those things, you will fulfill your purpose. And we all have one. Mm, We're all going to end up with the same fate. But the big question mark is, how are you going to live along the way? Yes. And oh, I just, I mean, I've read that book so many times and I love it. And this discussion just like really hit home to me where I'm at now. And it gave me so much reassurance because I feel very cloudy in what I'm doing right now, which is really uncomfortable. And <laughs> it's challenging me to share about it in that time because I typically am the bookend girl. Um, but hearing those words, I was like, wow, that's so true. And as long as we know the things that are meaningful for us and we're open to opportunity and we keep taking action and moving forward, you will fulfill your purpose and see clarity in what your life's mission is. You have to keep going though. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that. So I I just feel like that was relevant to everything that we were saying right now. I feel like I could have been having that discussion. Yeah. I feel like that's a (laughs) mic drop moment right there. I really do like, just everybody needs to hear that message of just taking that step forward and just 
that forward momentum and and doing and exploring and saying yes to opportunities that might scare you a little bit and just yeah. go for it. That's and such it an important really does message. speak to me of tearing up the script because I think old Christy wanted the script, right? I think from a very, very young age, I was I was like, what's my purpose? What's my purpose? Very young. I mean, I'm talking kindergarten, Tiffany. Mm. This is not normal. But I thought I am not going to want to waste this life and I want to do something great and I want to fulfill my purpose. So what is it? What is it? What is it? And the whole point of the alchemist or any of these other discussions that we're having or listening to is you don't necessarily, I mean, maybe some people know their purpose. I think some people do. They're born with a certain gift and they know that that's what they're supposed to do. I think for most of us, we have to live life mm-hmm. to uncover our purpose. I was doing it backwards. I wanted to know the purpose up front and then mm-hmm. I was going to live my life. Mm-hmm. But the whole tearing up the script is just that. It's realizing like, nope, nope, you have to honor yourself. You have to follow the nudges. You have to look for the signs, believe them. Mm-hmm. You have to learn who you are and what you want. And then you will find your purpose. And you're going to have this journey along the way yes. that is going to be part of what gets you there. So it's like you can't you can't get rid of the journey. <laughs> like, yes, Christy, you're You can't so have right. the purpose without the journey. But it's like, uh, you know, I think we're we're raised – to want it the other way. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how so many people get lost and they yes. just kind of give up because they don't realize they just had to get started on the journey and believe. Well, it's kind of like the people that maybe they do know from an early age that I'm going to be a doctor or a soccer player or a ballet dancer or a horse trainer or you know whatever their calling in life is, that's what I'm going to be. And they may have that calling and they may have that purpose. But then what happens when the rug gets pulled out under their feet and that calling and that purpose they had no longer is able to happen? Maybe they are injured. Maybe they lost their eyesight. Maybe something happened and suddenly that career, that purpose, they can't have anymore. They get very lost. And I was actually yes. listening to a podcast um, where he said, and I, I cannot remember his name right now. I'll have to look it up. But he said, the difference is when you have a true purpose, the actual physical act of what you're doing does not matter because it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're meeting your purpose. And that's the difference. And that's exactly what you just said. We do it backwards. We think our purpose is to be a doctor or a teacher or a mom or a CEO or something like that. When our purpose really is what making a difference or um, exploring or discovering or whatever our purpose may be, creating and when we find that true purpose, then it really doesn't matter what we're doing because we can yes. live purposeful because we're living in that purpose. I mean, I can tell you I'm just getting to that point of understanding that now that it's about the why, not the thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But like I said, I'm about to be 44 and I have had a lot of hard knocks, you know, because I was like, oh, no, I I know there's got to be a thing. No, mm-hmm. there's not a thing. Mm-hmm. So that is one of the things that I hope by having these conversations, particularly for our girls, you know, I, I just would love those girls to to grow up understanding some of those things. And as they're writing their script, like I'd love them to get to write their script from yes. a younger age so that when they get to this age, like they're just living their life. They're not starting out now. And that's my hope that doing this work now sets up the future generations to have something better, you know, Mm -hmm. to have something different. That's, I think that's probably my why, honestly, uh, and why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. That is so powerful. That is so Mm -hmm. powerful. 
All right. I think we've had a couple mic drop moments, and I think this is probably a good time. <laughs> I We could probably talk for hours and hours and hours, but this is probably a good time to wrap up this part of the conversation and move into the fun questioning part of the conversation. Okay. So as we move into the fun questioning part, there are before I get into my three questions, you have some fun things in your past. That I know it sounds terrible what I've mentioned, but there are good things too, people. <laughs> you have some Not really all doom and gloom. fun, unique things in your past that I think our listeners would enjoy hearing. Would you just for a minute tell us some of these fun, very unique things that many of us dream, we think, oh, that would just be the such a fun thing to do. What is something? Yes, are we talking? Are we talking reality TV here? We're talking reality TV. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's so crazy. It's so funny. It's not something that I hide by any means, but it's it's. I don't know. I think I always just joke that I'm the realest girl on reality TV because I really am. I don't have these like alter personas, so I just sort of laugh sometimes and think, how the heck did I ever get cast on reality TV? (laughs) Let alone two shows because I'm just not. I'm just. I don't know. I mean, I love watching these shows, but it's so wild, but it's interesting. So um, for those of you listening, I was on Old School, The Bachelor. It was season 11, Brad Womack's first season. I say old school because this was really, this was when we didn't know who The Bachelors were going to be, which I actually quite liked. There was no social media at this time. So it was a very different ball game. And I think in some ways it was more heightened because it really was this thing like, oh my gosh, I get to do this because we didn't have our own platforms. We didn't have podcasts. Mm -hmm. We didn't have Instagram. We couldn't share our stories or live a quote unquote fairy tale in any other way. And at that point, I was in my late 20s. I was actually one of the older girls on the show. That's insane that late 20s is an older girl. Oh my God. (laughs) It was so, so crazy. But I remember I... I, I say older girl, but, it, you know, there's a juxtaposition between The Bachelor and I'll talk about Labor of Love, which is a show that was new that I did more recently where I was actually the lead in that show. And I was 41 when I filmed that show. But when I was 29 and did The Bachelor, you know, I think I was so immature or had such a romanticized version of love still. And I really think I thought, oh, my gosh, I got cast in the show. This is how I'm going to get my fairy tale. And I'm it's going to be the fairy tale. What we think of as the fairy tale, talk about the way we've been conditioned. I thought, this is yeah. it. This is why it didn't happen for me yet. And I'm 29, and I hadn't met someone. Because in my head, I always thought, oh, I'll, I'll get married later, which meant 27, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, that didn't happen. It wasn't a great experience for me. I'll answer any questions you want about the about The Bachelor, no problem. But I felt really devastated by that. And it's sort of funny. And I'm laughing at the poor my poor girl self now thinking, like, what did I think was going to happen? <laughs> but I remember I just felt so devastated mm-hmm. and so let down. I was like, shoot, I didn't get my fairy tale. You know, right when I came off that show, I was still an acupuncturist when I went on the show. I actually ended up getting into sales, and that's when my my career just really took off. So I became really focused on my career after my 30s. Now, we can come back to that, but fast forward to Labor of Love, um, I think – for me, when and keep in mind, like twelve years mm-hmm, passed between mm-hmm. that, I never thought I'd do reality TV again. But I feel like I did The Bachelor to prepare me to do Labor of Love. Now, what I take away from Labor of Love—that's a whole different story. But for me, Labor of Love was the show I was meant to do because it wasn't a show; it was literally my life. I had so many people approach me like, "Hey, we we want to." audition you for the show. We think you'd be great. I happened to be at the point then because I was, I just turned 40, um, where I was really looking into having a child on my own. So for those of you that don't know, Labor of Love really followed a woman 
in her late 30s, early 40s, who was successful and had done interesting things in her life, but she hadn't met the one, that wind, biological window to have a child was really closing in and having a family is something that she wanted. And it was really sort of a social experiment on what does she do? Mm-hmm. So it was really important. I think they'd been trying to cast that show for a couple of years, but they really needed to find a woman who, A, was serious about having a child on her own and was successful and grounded. And, you know, here you have me, Notre Dame grad, Midwest. I had a successful career on my own. I had been through some stuff in life and I was already starting that path of, hey, I'm going to have a baby on my own. And it was really like, what happens? For me, that was a way to highlight a lot of women I knew and give us a voice. You know, I thought there's a lot of misconceptions, what it means to be a woman in her 40s who hasn't met the right person, who wants a family, but that pressure is there because that biological window is closing and it's an extremely difficult way to date and try to beat someone. Mm -hmm. I thought that demographic of women was incredibly misrepresented in media and on TV. And I thought, I'm terrified out of my mind, but if I get chosen to do this, there's no way I'm not going to do it. And in fact, as soon as I knew I was afraid, I knew I'd say yes, because (laughs) I've never not done anything because of fear. I did it for the other women like me. I really, really wanted to start a conversation about what I think is a really modern, relevant topic that has a lot of stereotypes around it that are just simply not true and not representative of the women out there. So two really different experiences. And, you know, even when just talking about the nuts and bolts of reality TV, also very different experiences being in a cast versus the lead, being in an established show versus a new show, which with the new show, I can tell you being the lead, I really think I filmed 20, 21 hours a day uh, for eight weeks, no days off. I had two days off. And on those days off, it was like getting hair done and all that jazz. I was like a shell of a human being when we stopped filming. I honestly don't know how I made it through, except I do because I made it through because of all the things we just said. I would never quit because I was doing it not for myself, for other women. And that was like the carrot that kept me going through the hard times. But anyway, I just said a lot, Tiffany, and I'm happy to talk about anything you want in there. (laughs) But when people had asked me after The Bachelor, like, would you ever do a show again? And they actually, there was a, anyone listening might remember, because I know Bachelor in Paradise has now gotten popular. But right after my season of The Bachelor was when they did Bachelor Pad, which I think only lasted for a season or two. And they wanted me to do that show. And I was like, no, (laughs) like, I have a life, I have a career. I was just like, I'm moving on. That wasn't what I thought. And then lo and behold, you know, fast forward 12 years, and I have these people approaching me like, hey, we really think you'd be great for the show. Would you consider it? And that process, by the way, was a year in the making. So mm. it was a year that I was in talks with the network and producers about doing the show. And then there was another year after we filmed before it aired. So, wow. you know, yeah. Wow. And you have to keep quiet about it for that whole time. Yes. Yeah. And even that, I think, is some of the drawing out of my journey because there was just so many irons Mm -hmm. in the fire. So, you know, that's kept my my bookends wider than I'd like, I think. But, (laughs) you know, there's so much we could get into. And I definitely recommend people listen to your podcast. And I actually listen to your other podcast, Life Unscripted, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, because that talks about your single mom, your journey to trying to become a single mom. And there, I think there's a lot of people that can 
relate to that, the ups and the downs and the heartbreak and the the hopefulness and the dashing of the hopes. And yes. we'll have to have you back on someday to talk a little bit more about that. But I think what really resonates with me about your story is your ability to pick yourself up and say, okay, now what? Every time you've been dashed to the ground, every time something hasn't worked out the way that you had hoped, you stand up and you say, okay, that sucked. Okay, let me feel these feelings. All right, now what? And you keep going and you're along for the ride and you're going to make the best out of it, which is fantastic. And like creating your your podcast that was your for single moms, for moms doing it their momming way out of the script. And now you're She's Unscripted where you're looking at this new part of your life. You, you're you saying, okay, this I, I'm going to do it my way and I want to bring you guys on the journey so that you don't feel alone as you're making your own way through this. And I think that's really helpful and comforting and heartwarming for people. And it, it just feels really good to know that there's people like you in the world that can make it through so many challenges and difficulties and come out of it so gracefully and so openly and um, open-heartedly and willing well, to Well, I so appreciate you saying that, Tiffany. I mean, truly nothing means more to be than that. I do want to say there have been plenty of tears and ugly moments. And sure. I think that's something that I I will share about more on my season of this this new podcast as well, because I think I hid those parts for a long mm-hmm. time. And I think we talk about social media era where everything looks perfect. Although I do think people are starting to share more authentically mm-hmm. because people want real, but I think that can make you feel bad. Right. And so I, I want people listening to know that I, I do have that. And I say this a lot. My motto is just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And there have been so many times where I've had to pull myself up by the bootstraps and just keep moving forward with the ugly cry and all. Yeah. And I have done it. And I so appreciate you saying that because I do think it's one of my strengths is to have the ability to just keep going. And I'm not expecting anyone else to carry me across the line. Like I'm going to figure it out. And, um, but I do just want to share that it's not always neat, which is the whole unscripted that we've been talking Mm -hmm. about. And I still don't know where that's going to go. It's not always pretty and that's okay. Like that's, that's part of it. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be pretty. Like you shouldn't go through tough things and be okay. But I do think going back to the conditioning that we've talked about this thread kind of throughout this conversation, we've conditioned, we've been conditioned to only show the best parts of us and to always say, oh, it's fine. Right. I'm fine. fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) In fact, it's great. No, it's not great. You know what? I'm not saying we should be Debbie Downers. Like no one wants to be that either, but it's okay to be vulnerable. And Mm -hmm. in those moments, when I started to do that, that's when I really started to forge really great connections with Mm -hmm. people and also get more in touch with my own authenticity. Not that I ever feel like I've been disingenuous, but you can't be living the life meant for you if you don't really know who you are. And if you're always putting on the face, you're you're not going to get there before you meet your maker, right? It's just not going to happen. So I guess I just wanted to point that out. I so appreciate that you said that, Tiffany, because it really does mean so much to me, but I do just want everyone to realize in spite of what it may seem like, maybe I had these cool opportunities and I got to do some shows and stuff, which I'm so grateful for, which is a very, very mm-hmm. cool experience. Um, my life is far from perfect. It is often not pretty and that's okay. Like yeah. we're kind of all in the same boat at the end of the day. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Thank you. And it's okay for life to not be pretty. That's all right. 
We, yeah. we can make beautiful moments out of sometimes the really not pretty things can be absolutely beautiful. Like I think of a wall with the broken down wall with a ton of graffiti on it. And I look at them like, wow, that's actually quite a work of art. It's not necessarily that pretty and it might be disintegrating and falling down, but somehow this history of this wall with all of this on it is quite beautiful. And Yeah. And I think you can say this, Tiffany, and I think a lot of our, our listeners could probably say this too. I mean, I look back to even those moments I've shared and there's things I haven't shared in between where something really great came because came into my life because something yep. fell apart. Yep. Even doing labor of love, I will tell you, I didn't just a, a quick side note is I had just gotten out of a relationship that it was devastating. He was terrible to me. He did terrible things that I won't even get into because I don't want to give him credit. But part of the reason I said yes to having these conversations with casting agents was because I was so upset. I couldn't believe something kind of similar to what had happened with my ex-husband had found its way into my life again. And I allowed it. I was so mad at myself Mm -hmm. for allowing it. Even though it was a shorter amount of time, I was so mad. I said yes to the first person that contacted me about interviewing me for labor of love. Mm -hmm. I was so in love with this guy. I thought that was it. I thought it's why it didn't work out. What if it had? What if he hadn't betrayed me so severely? The timing was crazy, Tiffany. It was crazy. It was literally a couple weeks before someone first approached me and said, hey, we'd like to talk to you about this. Are you interested? If I hadn't been so upset, I don't know if I would have said Mm -hmm. yes to starting those conversations. And I'm not saying that everything has to make sense or work out that way. But I know for me, it's even like the terrorist attack. Who would say that was a blessing? Well, I would never choose to go through that. And if I would have known that was going to happen, would I have gotten in the plane? Oh, heck no, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have. But you know what? It saved me from being a shell of a human being for the rest of my life. And so I think I would encourage everyone to sort of do inventory if they're stuck in places to sort of think about what did happen after that or what did come from it. And again, I don't think that means that things are okay or you wish that they they happen. But I do think we often get redirected onto a path. It's kind of going back to the alchemist conversation we were having yeah. um, to what is meant for you. So I can honestly say some of the worst things in my life have opened up new doors to something so much better. But mm. I had to keep moving forward. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the open doors, that's like my theme right now. It's like what doors I'd are opening that. and how do I get through them? Yes. I love this. Would you like to have more personalized support in rebuilding your best life after divorce? Would you like the benefits of coaching and having a community of like-minded women supporting and empowering you? I would love to have you as a member of my Love and Life After Divorce membership group. In the Love and Life membership group, you will have monthly live group coaching calls with me, a monthly book club, accountability sisters, support sessions, empowerment activities, goal-setting challenges, and so much fun. Click on the link in the show notes to join. Okay, three fun questions. Let's do this. Rapid fire fun questions. What book are you reading right now? We're both big, giant book lovers. What are you reading right now? We are, and it's something you and I are going to have to go through our list. Um, (laughs) So this is crazy because this is actually really great, um, and it's like really relevant to what I'm doing. But the most recent book I literally just got in the mail this weekend, and I flipped through it last night, is a sort of cookbook, but it's more than that. It's it's called Joy, Life Living from a Tuscan Villa, okay? (gasps) It's a beautiful book. I'm going to have to – and it's so perfect. So – 
you know, she moved and bought this villa in Tuscany and restored it. And she does these amazing retreats for women. So the first part of the book is all about that and the Tuscan lifestyle. And I'm I'm such a Europhile. I feel like I was meant to be in Mm -hmm. Europe. And I love Italy and I love Tuscany. And then the last part is, and I'm a big cook for everyone listening, but I've gotten away from it. But it's something I've started to do. Like, I really think if I hadn't gotten involved in holistic health, I would have done something in the culinary world. And so the the last part of the book then is the recipes that they mm. serve at the villa. And it's an Italian chef. And I just like, it's all amazing. <sighs> um, and so this is a little bit of a departure for me because I've been doing so much like self-help and reading nonfiction, which I love, love, love. But I love that this is the book that I'm into right now as we're having this conversation because I feel like it's perfect. Oh my gosh. And that's kind of my dream. Like if I have a fantasy life, I fantasize sometimes like of doing a Diane Lane and Under the Tuscan Sun and just <gasps> yes. just selling everything and moving. But you know, I'm a mom. I have two kids. I'm not going to leave them. But Okay. Man. I have to tell you this, Tiffany, because I do think you and I are the same because this, that's what I call one of my this is old school, but nightstand movies. Okay. Yes. So back when we had DVDs and not yes. digital files, <laughs> that was one of like three movies. I, I used to have terrible insomnia problems when I was really sick. And that was like one of three movies oh I kept gosh. in my nightstand that I could watch over and over again mm. and just fall in love with the whole thing every time. And also Diane Lane. I love her. I mean, hello, hello. <laughs> Gorgeous. Yeah, that movie. Oh my gosh. Okay. The next question then is they're writing the movie of your life. And it doesn't have to be a reality movie. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> and you get to pick three songs for the soundtrack. What songs are you going to choose? Okay, yeah. I wasn't thinking about the being a movie of my life, but it's okay. We're just going to go with what I'm thinking of. Um, and it's funny because I, I'm not this person that's totally tuned into music. I love music, but I don't have specifics. So recalling specifics is a, a little tough for me. But I will say the first one that comes to my mind is – I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. Oh, that's such a great song. And that one plays in a tape in my head all the time. And I think it applies through my life pretty much from from birth. So I think um, that one. And then... The other one, which I know everyone probably knows the song, and I'm, I'm I'm blanking on how to say the guy's name, but you know the the Somewhere Over the Rainbow Mm. song? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a Hawaiian singer and yes. he passed away. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. I don't want to say uh, his oh name gosh, wrong. What is his it. name? Yes. I know exactly what you're talking about. But everyone listening, I know that they know. But to me, I feel like that's just such a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the way he sings it, I feel like it just sort of elevates my vibe and elevates my soul. But I think there is just that similar theme of I'm going to keep going in spite of things that happen, like seeing the beauty in the life and continuing to believe. So that is just a song that I still feel like brings me to tears no matter how many times that I've heard it and I love it. Um, and then the last one I will say is I'm going to actually mention the artist versus the song. And y'all, you have to go check him out. His his name is Griffin House. He's an indie artist. I love everything that he sings. And there's a song Liberty Line that I really love. But I really don't want to just pick one song for him. Um, because Griffin to me, I love his music. It's kind of, he plays guitar, harmonica. He's sort of a one man show. I don't know if you want to call that like folk or what it would be, but he's just amazing. And he actually back in the day, and he's around my age now, I would say had a chance to actually sign with the big labels and said no, Mm. because he didn't want to basically sign off rights to how he was doing things. And he actually did a documentary a couple years ago, and he basically talks about this, how his life would have been so different if he just would have signed, but how he wouldn't change it. So not only do I love Griffin's music, so Griffin House, you guys go check him out, but I feel like his story so resonates with me that there's no way I could have a story about my life and not have a lot of his music 
in it. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to check him out. I'm gonna have to check him yeah, out. Yeah, I love him. He's amazing. And by the way, he actually was on Labor of Love. They flew him out on my final date with Kyle. They cut what? that from the episode, which I cannot even believe. Um, and I hadn't even decided who I was picking at that point, by the way. And I remember I was like, oh, waiting for the show to come out. And then lo and behold, they they cut that scene. But this is what a cool guy he is. Like, he didn't know me, right? This was a show that didn't exist. And they called him last minute and were like, hey, would you be willing to fly out to Chicago? I think he was living in Nashville at the time. Um, and he said yes. And literally got on a plane that day, showed up, performed, and then got on a red eye what? and went home. And they cut yeah. that out? Can you even believe it? I was like, I think that was like, that was one of the things I was most devastated about because he is amazing. But I just think that's so cool. I mean, that's the kind of person I want in my house. No, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cute. All right. Last question. What is a okay. risk you've taken recently that you're really glad you said yes to? I mean, this one I think is kind of easy for me. And I think that's choosing to leave my corporate job. Mm that's been new. That's just in this last month. It's really scary. It's really hard. I have a lot of days where I'm crying or just feeling lost or just want to watch Under the Tuscan Sun all day because, <laughs> you know, it's hard and yeah. I don't have the clarity. But what I do know is I don't wake up every morning in full-blown panic mode, mm. anxiety, feeling like I know I'm doing the wrong thing, but because I don't know what to do, I'm not going to rip Band-Aid off. Yeah. So... It's an unpopular <laughs> choice in a lot of ways. It's not something I actually I've shared with many people in my life yet. So I'm sharing it with you all here. <laughs> I think that's because there's a part of me that feels like, did I fail? So that's, you know, I'm mm -hmm. sharing that because I want to say as much as I'm on this mission and sharing this, I have those feelings too. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the first time I've made a big change where I don't really know what's next. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really proud of myself for doing that. Oh. That is so fantastic. The The moments when you choose yourself and you choose your authentic needs and your way of integrity and kind of say, all right, I, I trust that things are going to work out. It's going to be okay. That's so powerful. And, and I can terrifying. Say, I think, <laughs> and terrifying. Yeah, this is, the, the, this is truly the first time I have done this. And I think, you know, it's interesting because I think you look at things I've done like doing reality TV or I've done a lot of solo travel around the world and people think, oh my gosh, that's so cool. It is cool. But those things actually weren't that scary for me. Mm. This, this is terrifying. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I mean. It's like, so there was part of me that really had to come face to face with my own reckoning and sort of say, but are you practicing what you preach? Are you taking the chances? Yeah, I know yeah. it looks like you are. And those things are really cool. And I'm so glad I did them. But if I really wanted to challenge myself in the way that I'm talking about, it's this. It's mm -hmm. stepping away from corporate. It's saying, I don't really know what's next, but I know this isn't it. And in order for me to get there, I've got to take this leap. That's terrifying for me. And so mm -hmm. that's why that might not seem like as big of a deal to some people. But to me, it's a much... It's a, deal. Deal. Yeah. it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I feel it. That's a big deal. Christy, this has been fantastic. How can people find you? I really want people to come into your world and experience the magic that is Christy. How can they find oh, you? Oh, I so appreciate that. I mean, the easiest way, honestly, I do the most stuff on Instagram. So if you just go to my Instagram at Christy Katzman, I link to everything else I do. You can link to my website there. My podcast is She's Unscripted, like Tiffany mentioned. It's live on all platforms, so you can find it there. But again, you can always go to my Instagram and find it there as well. Yay. All right, everyone, please reach out to Christy and come on over, slide into my DMs. Tell me what you thought of this episode. 
And um, I'm just, I'm excited to get some feedback on this and see how you guys resonate and connect with Christy and this topic of writing your own script. How are you writing your own scripts? Come on over. Let me know. Have a beautiful day, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Love and Life After Divorce podcast. If anything resonated with you in the podcast, I would love to hear about it. Please DM me on my Instagram at Tiffany Kane. Also, if this podcast makes you think of a friend that could benefit from hearing this message of support and empowerment, please share it with her. And remember, this podcast is sponsored by the Love and Life After Divorce Membership Group. We would be so thrilled to have you join. Have a beautiful day. And remember, of course, it's all about you. Hashtag self-love.